One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Kablamo. That was a big bang, buddy. The Big Bang is in the start of everything? The beginning of time, the universe, and everything. Today, Matthew... I thought we were a medical podcast. Ah, but without the beginning of everything, we don't have medicine, Uh, right? Today, we're going back to basics. Does that mean physics trumps everything? Well, a physicist would say so. A chemist would say chemistry trumps everything, and a biologist would say that biology trumps everything. But I tell you what... In order for medicine to work, in order for the human body to function, I think we need to understand what the human body is made of and how it came to be. Now, I'm not saying came to be in regards to uh, anything spiritual, but I think we should talk about the nature of life. What do you think? The hierarchy of life? Yeah, well, starting from... So, right now, if you look at you and I, you look at me, perfect specimen, look at you, all right? Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dr. Matt, Dr. Mark's Medical Podcast. It's 2018, first episode of the Happy year. Happy New Year, Michael. Happy New Year to you, Matthew. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, everybody. How was your Christmas break? It was good. I um, went to my parents' uh, location. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was going to say my parents' what house. Do they live on a, on a <laughs> what, just a field, big open field, do they? Their location. We uh, had a holiday house on the beach. Nice. Which was very nice. Very relaxing. Yeah, swimming? Uh, once or twice. Surfing? No. Are you a surfer? Too dangerous for sharks. Too dangerous for the sharks? Or yeah. too dangerous for you because of the sharks? <laughs> both. both. 
Well, I had a good Christmas. I spent it with my newborn baby. It was her first Christmas. She didn't really care since she's four months old, but uh, it was good. We ate and drank and was merry. Merry. Merry, merry. Uh, what about New Year's? New Year's, I was asleep by 10 p.m. So you are like your daughter? She was asleep by 7 p.m. Okay. What about you? What'd you do? We went camping. Oh, uh, it was storming, wasn't it? Yeah, we went to a rainforest location. Uh, undisclosed location again. <laughs> <laughs> you were afraid to tell people uh, where well, you in, go. In the southeast corner of Queensland, Australia. What's it called? What's uh, this place called? This you place was called O'Reilly's. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of like the hinterland of the Gold Coast. Okay. Uh, it's about an hour from the coast. So it's like a rainforesty? Yeah. It's about a thousand meters above sea level, which is quite high for Australia. We don't have much elevation in Australia. Yeah, that's true. We're quite poor in that sense. Yeah. Um, and it was very, very nice. But for some reason, the whole atmosphere was quite um, unstable. <laughs> yeah. Um, throughout the whole of Australia, I think, in that period. Yeah. And there were storms everywhere. And did it uh, destroy your tent? We got very wet, <laughs> but it was exciting. I, a good thunderstorm is always exciting, I find. <laughs> Don't you think? I hate them. Do you? I can't sleep when, like a it's, dog. when it's raining. I know. I, well, that's what my partner says. She, uh, well, it rains and I start howling. So you need to shut up. You're going to wake the baby. All right, we need so, that's, to, so that's what I did. Well, that was boring. Let's uh, get into the podcast. What do you reckon? Yep. How are we going to do it? Okay. So, essentially, this is the starting point for most AMP courses. Which is anatomy and physiology. Okay. Um, so, in our courses, AMP, yeah. anatomy and physiology, um, probably the first lecture would encompass what we're doing today. That's right. Which is kind of the hierarchy of us as humans. Atoms to organisms. So, our smallest um, separatable <laughs> um, part yep. into... Us as a whole collective, as an organism. Yeah. So, I think at our most simple level, which is an atom, mm. which in its meaning, doesn't it mean... Indivisible by yeah. the Greeks. Yeah. So which is actually not true. Okay. If we so if we split, split an atom... Up, you get a nuclear reaction. That's right. An explosion. Fusion or fission. I never get... Fission. Fusion means things to come together. That's what happens in the core of the sun. Fission is to split things apart. Okay. So, that's like a atom bomb. An atom bomb is... A fission. fission reaction. Okay. So, yeah, can I just say? Yes, you will say. To quote my favorite scientist of all time, the nitrogen in our DNA, the calcium in our teeth, the iron in our blood, the carbon in our apple pies were made in the interiors of collapsing stars. We, my friend, are star stuff. Carl Sagan. William Shake. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah. No, it wasn't my favorite uh, scientist. Carl Sagan, what a what Is he a man! Baron? Brilliant, him and uh, Richard Feynman, both physicists. Yeah, so so not not biologists, not medicos. I thought being a geneticist, you would be more crick or someone. Crick, no one bothers about crick. What's on in crick? Boring. Okay, they're thieves. Probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> so take that a, back. There goes another one star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. What I just said, basically, if you take the periodic table, now, this is where everyone starts to turn the podcast off, because a lot of people who start to become nurses, paramedics, medicos, and so forth, mm-hmm. uh, they don't really like chemistry too much, I find. A lot of our students really don't care too much about chemistry, they just want to get straight into the biology, but in order to understand it, you just need a 
bit of understanding of the chemistry. Periodic table hanging in your year seven classroom, chemistry classroom. You look at it, you think it's boring, bunch of initials, bunch of letters sitting on there with some numbers. Let's talk about what it actually is and what it means, okay? So, periodic table, hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, neon, Boring. Okay, sorry, is boring. Did you say boring or boron? Boron. No, oh, I haven't sorry. got to boron. Okay. Um, but if you look at that periodic table, it is organized in a particular way. Now, the way it's organized is that you've got hydrogen first and helium, then lithium, beryllium, then boron, then carbon, and so forth. And they've got this number in the top corner, one, two, three, four, five, six, and so forth. Okay. Now... All of these are atoms. That's what they all are, okay? So and this is the starting point of our hierarchy? That's right. This is the starting the point atom. of the hierarchy, the atom, okay? okay? Now, I want to start with the first atom of the periodic table, which is hydrogen. Now, hydrogen has a one associated with it. Now, what that means is this. It came first? An atom, well, that's true. It <laughs> did. It did, actually. Hydrogen and helium were the very first atoms to exist in the universe. And right. then the rest basically propagated from them. But I'll tell you that in a sec. Okay. So hydrogen is the most simplest atom. So that came about when you did that explosion at the start? When I went kablamo. Ka I wasn't sure what that was. That's, an, that's the Big Bang. Okay. Now, before the Big Bang, well, that's not why I have no idea, but... All right, so <laughs> an atom is this, right? You've got a couple of things that make up an atom. You've got the nucleus, which is the core. Yep. And you have electrons, which fly around that nucleus. Now... Yep. Electrons. Sometimes, some people think there's only one electron in the universe. Well, I think is that controversial. I think you can make that argument because of quantum physics. One electron can be anywhere at any moment in time. And it's just a probability, it. right? It's a probability of where it's of located. Where it so when I say that there's an electron flying around an atom, it can be in basically any configuration. Okay. At any moment in time until you measure it. But uh, that's too too much. Let's. We've got an electron floating around. This electron has a negative charge to it. Negative. Okay. The nucleus of this atom, which is sitting right in the middle, yeah. has a proton and a neutron. The proton is positively charged and the neutron Sounds is neutral. neutral. So you've got a negative thing flying around. So in this hydrogen molecule, sorry, hydrogen atom, yes. you've got this negative thing on the outside. Electron flying around. And inside is the nucleus. Nucleus. And in that nucleus is a... Nucleus. That's what I said. Uh, there's a positive proton yeah. and, and a neutral neutron, okay. which means you've got a negative, a positive, and a nothing. Okay. Yeah. Now, the proton right in the middle, like I said, has a positive charge. When you look at the periodic table and they're all numbered, that number is telling you how many protons it has. Okay. Oh, the number. That's right. So, hydrogen is one, so it has one proton. Helium is two, has two protons. Lithium is three, has three protons. Now, in the periodic table... For an atom, do you do you have to have a proton? Yes, absolutely. Is there any exceptions? No. Okay. You don't have a proton, you're not an atom. What happens if you modify hydrogen? In what way? Okay. To have no proton? Yeah. It's not an atom. Okay. So, by definition, must have a proton. Now, in the periodic table, all the protons are balanced by the electrons. Yep. So, helium... Has one proton, how many electrons? Uh, two. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, I'll say it again. The protons are balanced out by the electrons. So, if you... Did you say helium? Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> Hydrogen has <laughs> one oh, proton. Yeah. How many electrons does it have? One. Helium has two protons. How many electrons? Two? Yeah, and so forth. That's why I thought you said helium. No, I did actually say helium. Yeah, so, I see. do apologize. Okay, so all that makes sense. That's the, that's the basic structure of an atom. Mm. Now... If you look, if you take an atom, 
the electron, if you were to make an electron the size of a full stop, I'm just giving you a perspective as to how small this thing is. If you make the electron the size of a full stop on a page, yep. you would be as big as the Earth. That's how small electrons are. Okay. And the space, oh, right, right. the space between the electron... The size and of planet Earth. You would be the size of planet Earth yeah. if an electron was the size of a full stop. Isn't that cool? So, the other thing is that the electron, which is floating around that nucleus, mm. it's actually quite a way away from that nucleus. So, for example, if you had... If an electron was a butterfly, then <laughs> it would be... The whole atom itself would be the size of a stadium, okay. a football stadium, floating around. That's how, how much empty space there is. And how big is the proton in that stadium? It's a good question. The size of a butterfly still? Was it, is it smaller Small. or bigger? It's bigger. The proton? Yeah. Than the electron? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but there's 99.99% of an atom is Free empty space. space, right? Okay. Which is strange to think because everything's made out of atoms which means 99.99% of everything is empty space. Mm. We'll get to that. How did... This is quite deep. I'm sorry. I'll stop there with those with the periodic table for the time being, but we need to talk about the human body. Well, let's give some relevance to the human body, right? So when you look at the periodic table, you see all these atoms. Now, which to you, a lot of people means nothing. Which means nothing. Yeah. If you have a group of the same type of atom, it's called an element, right? Okay. Now... The elements that are found in the human body, it's not, we don't have all of these elements that are on the periodic table in our human body. 99% of our human body is made up only of about six atoms. Okay. And that's, or, or elements, elements, I should say, which is oxygen, mm-hmm. carbon. Is carbon the most? Carbon's the most. Hydrogen. Because we're organic. That's right. And we need to define what that means. So, the majority of us is made up of oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. Right. Okay? That's the majority of us. But then you've got some other trace elements in our body, such as potassium and sulfur and sodium and chlorine and magnesium. Which we've covered before, which are the cations or the anions. That's right. They have a particular charge. Now, on the periodic table, they don't have a charge. So, in their elemental form, they're neutral. That's right. In our body... They yeah. either gain or yeah. lose a charge. Yeah. Which we were talking about. Before. Yes. Yeah. All right. Now, so that means we don't have, or at least we shouldn't have, some of these bigger elements. So as you move down the periodic table and the number gets bigger, it means the protons are getting more, there's more, more of them and more electrons. Right. So they get heavier, right? So as you move down, they get Does heavier Does it also and make heavier. them more reactive? Or that depends on their valence? So you get, if you go all the way down to plutonium, right? Yeah. Which is around about 100-ish somewhere. I should probably know this. Anyway, it's around about 100-ish on the periodic table. Plutonium is the last atom that can exist in nature. Okay. Okay? The rest we've made and they... Humans have made. Humans have made and they exist for fractions of a second. They made them in labs. Now, in all honesty, if you were to collect all the plutonium on the planet, Mm. it would equal 0.05 grams. Okay. That's how little plutonium there is. Now, the question is, where did all these atoms come from? Where do these elements come from? Now, in the beginning, to quote Genesis, in the beginning, the band, <laughs> in the beginning, there was hydrogen and helium. So that means an atom with one proton and one electron and an atom with two protons, two electrons, right? Now, so if you look at our sun now, yes, that is a hydrogen reaction, right? Yeah, and helium. And the helium, well, 
Isn't it the, the hydrogen are smashing together to form the helium? I'm getting there, baby. Let mm -hmm. me let me first talk okay. about how we create suns. Okay. Right? So, you got a big bang. S-U-N's. Pun? S-U-N's. Yes. No, if you were to create a, a sun, S-O-N-S, that's the reproductive system lecture. So, we, in the big bang, hydrogen and helium coalesce, meaning they come together. Right? So, anything that has mass has gravitational pull. Things are pulled towards it, right? So, hydrogen and helium are starting to coalesce and come together. Given millions and billions of years, they start to come together and come together. Now, what that means is they start to form clouds of hydrogen and helium, and then these clouds start to get more dense. And as they get more dense, where do you think it will become most dense? On the outer or right in the middle? I would guess middle. Right in the middle, it becomes most dense. And as it becomes more dense, something happens. The gravitational pull becomes greater. Does that make sense? Mm. So the pull becomes right into the middle of this cloud. It naturally will form a ball because of this, because there's an equal pull on all sides. So then you get this ball that's formed with a very dense core, mm -hmm. and you have this internal pull. Okay. Now, think about this. It's hydrogen and helium. As this internal pull gets greater and greater and greater because of gravity, these atoms are getting closer and closer together. Mm. Now, if they get so close together that one hydrogen gets pushed right next to another hydrogen, they start to fuse. And that's a fusion reaction. And all that means is one proton of one hydrogen will fuse with another proton of another hydrogen. And now you have an atom that has two protons. What's that called? Helium. Helium. So that's how helium's produced. But in this process of hydrogens coming together, an explosion occurs, some energy is lost. Yeah. And this energy explodes outwards which makes this cloud want to explode out, right? And it releases this energy in the form of heat, okay? And light. And radiation and light yeah. and so forth, Well, right? I guess light is radiation, right? Exactly. Mm. So you have two reactions going on. You've got an inward reaction pulling thing, things in, that's gravity, and an outward reaction exploding things out, yeah. which means this is a star, and stars are in flux, which means stars are constantly being pulled in, exploding out, being pulled in, exploding out, being pulled in, exploding out. Yep. Now, once the hydrogen come together to make helium, mm. the helium's going to come together. Two helium plus two helium gives you how many protons? Four. Four protons. That's beryllium. Hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium. So now a star is making beryllium. So if does that happen in the star? It happens in the I core of a star. Thought, I always thought outside hydrogen and helium... The other ones only really come about by the supernova. No, that's everything heavier than iron. Oh. So, via this method of fusion in the core of a star, you can create every single atom on the periodic table up until iron. Hmm. So, iron is, if you go, hydrogen, helium, lithium, beryllium, boron, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, neon, sodium, magnesium, aluminium, silicon, phosphorus, sulfur, chlorine, argon, potassium, calcium, sodium, titanium, blah, 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 blah. Iron is number 26. So you can create up to the 26th atom and element right in the core of a star simply by them fusing together under the gravitational pressure. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And every time they make one, they explode outwards. Now, the problem is this. Once a star has, is, has made iron in the middle, it now has an iron core. And the gravitational pull is not strong enough to create the next atom. Yep. Next element. It, element. It can't fuse it together. Okay. Right? So, what that means is this. There's nothing exploding outwards now. Okay. Right? Because yeah. it's not fusing anything else. So, there's no fuel there. So, the gravitational pull is there, 
and it's very great and mm. pulls things inwards. But because there's nothing being fused, because iron's the heaviest it can make, there's nothing going out. Mm. So what happens to this star? It just goes inwards and inwards and inwards and inwards, and the gravitational pull gets so great that it implodes upon itself. And this is a supernova. And when it implodes upon itself, that's when the gravitational pull and pressure is so great that the iron fuses with other elements and creates everything else. Okay. And explodes outwards and spreads its guts across the universe. So anytime... this just keeps happening until... We've got everything up to plutonium. So that's how all the atoms and elements of the periodic table are made in the core. So literally every single thing in your body came from the stomach of a star. How insane is that? Not anatomically, because that would be not possible. Not anatomically, but every oxygen or carbon or nitrogen came from the core of a star potentially billions of years ago. Yeah, it is cool. You're billions of years old. Everything that makes you up came from the beginning of the universe. You were everlasting. Was there a beginning, Michael? Well, there's a, there was definitely a beginning of time. And to say beginning is a term... Temporal. That it's temporal. Yeah. So, yes, of course there was a beginning. All right, that was a good 20 minutes of Oh, I'm physics. so sorry. Don't you think that's interesting? No, I, mean? I think it's cool. Maybe everyone's turned off by now. But, I mean, to me, that is... Like, we are literally star stuff. We are made of stars. Stardust. We're everlasting. We are. Do you know how long an atom will survive Doesn't for? Does everlasting mean it's in time, though? Yes. <laughs> well, it takes a lot to destroy an atom. So, the atoms in your body, the oxygen, the nitrogen, the f- whatever it is, was making up another organism. There's, de- there's 100% definitively atoms in your body yep. that was in Shakespeare. There's definitively atoms in your body that was in a dinosaur. 100%. That, that's not in question. Isn't that insane? You were a dinosaur, were a plant, were a beetle <laughs> at some point. Yeah. You're a Buddhist yet? <laughs> Don't well, you think that's amazing? It is. That it blows is. my mind. I man. was only really prepared to talk about biology today. Well, that sets the biology up. Because now we need to talk about how do these atoms come together to start forming molecules because that's the next level of complexity, right? All right, let's do it then. Okay. Uh, Is that enough for atoms? No, that's way... Everyone thinks it's way too much. (laughs) That's how I start my lecture every year. Did you know that? Cool. No no wonder no one turns up to the next week. (laughs) (laughs) So for us as humans to put us in our structural hierarchy. Yes. We've already spoke for 20 minutes on the atom side. Um, <laughs> let's just quickly just put those levels in first, which okay. we probably should have done at the start. But yeah, let's well that was now. your fault. So we've got um, atoms. Yes. Into molecules. Yes. Into macromolecules. Perfect. Into organelles. Nice. Into cells. Yes. Into tissues. I like it. Into an organ. You're getting there. Organs go into an organ system. Perfect. Organ systems then go into the organism. Which is your name. Which is... I mean, you could keep going. If in terms of what's on the planet, mm. you then go. The organism goes into a population, so Ooh. we could say humans. I like that. And then you go into communities, oh, which perfect. is where we. Do you have to give commentary on everything? I do. <laughs> no, I'm getting very excited about this. So um, this could be if I'm camping. So I'm amongst a population of humans in tents. Okay, and then I go into a community. All right, which is all the other animals around the. So it's not like only the humans lions, there. Tigers or bears. Well, we don't have lions or tigers or bears in Australia, Michael. Oh my! So we might have parrots or 
Lorikeets? Paddy melons, which is like small. What? They're small. A paddy melon? Yeah, small kangaroos. That is not a real thing. Yes, it is. You look, Google while I keep going. How do you spell paddy melon? I don't know. Um, so you have your community of animals and plants and so forth. Yeah. And then you go into an ecosystem, which is, let's say, the whole rainforest that I was in. Oh, ah, paddy melon. And then you go into... That's real. ...the biomere, and then um, the biosphere, which is the planet Earth. Nice. Okay. So we Mo- Mother Gaia, I like to refer so to we l- the biosphere itself, like the Earth, the blue marble... Oh. Is that what you call it? Um, no, Gaia, I say. It's kind of an organism itself, in a way. Ooh, that's um, deep. But let's just focus on the humans. We stop at the organism level. Yes. Okay, so we stop at us as humans in our um, taxonomy yep. of ranking, whatever you want to call that. So we do we now need to go from atoms to molecules, then? Yeah, but let's just break it. So we went through all those little subsections, but let's segment it. So we have the first smallest level, simplest level. Yep. Um, you might correct me here, but this is generally the way it's classified is the chemical level. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go into the... And the it? chemical level is atoms and elements well, and, and molecules, right? Yeah, so macromolecules and even organelles. And okay. then we go into the cellular level. Yeah. Uh, and then we go into the tissue level. Yeah. The organ level, the organ system level, and then finally... Organism. Organism. Okay, cool. So, let's start with the chemical level. Yeah. We've already done one part of that quite a lot. 20 yeah. minutes of it. Okay, you said... Atom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we've got all the atoms. So you want me to do 20 minutes on uh, molecules now? Uh, no, not that long. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we've got the atoms, which are parts of elements, right? So yeah. isn't your anal- an analogy like you go to a ice cream parlor oh, yeah. and the each ice cream bucket is the element yeah. and you get a scoop of the atom out of that. So the yeah. chocolate is a, like, let's say, a scoop of carbon. Yeah, so okay. ch- chocolate is an element, yep. and a single scoop would be the atom, the atom of, of chocolate. Okay. Yeah. So we've done the atom. Yeah. So let's just say we use the atoms of hydrogen and oxygen. Mm. Now, if those two come together and form a molecule, so a group of something, it could give you water, yeah. H- H2O. So two hydrogen, one oxygen. Is that fair? That's fair. Now, do you want to talk any more about that? So how just that goes Just very about? briefly. Okay. Yeah, just you very got, briefly. You've got two minutes. Okay. So, atoms tend to arrange themselves in stable patterns. Okay. Okay, that's the first thing. They want to be complete. So, in the periodic table, atoms are happy, healthy, love and life. Because... Do they? Let me tell you why. Because the protons and the electrons are even. So, they're neutral. They're balanced. Right? Everyone wants to be balanced and zen. Okay? But, that's... The periodic table is the idealistic view of an atom. In actual fact, they don't exist necessarily like that in, in nature. Nature, okay? So they may have not enough electrons or they have more than the protons. Is that uh, right? Maybe. <laughs> but sometimes... So they can be negative or positive? Yes. So they can give up or receive? Correct. Okay. So what this means is this. If, if you don't have enough electrons, you're positive. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yep. you, it just like means sodium. you've got more protons, like sodium. Okay? If you've got too many electrons, you're going to be negative. Yeah. Right? Simple. But the, the thing is that they don't like staying like that. Yeah. They want to be neutral. neutral. They want to balance out. Yep. Now, we could go into the, what's called electron shells, but we're not going to do that because atoms are Thank actually goodness. sort of like an onion where they've got different layers to them and each layer has different numbers of electrons. Now, mm-hmm. all you need to really think about is the outer layer of this but onion. But saying that, can I just... 
butt in for one second. Yeah, only if it makes sense. Um, some uh, elements do have a balanced amount, right? And they're the noble, the noble gases, right? So they That's are right. stable. Do yep. Do you remember the noble gases? Well, if you look at a periodic table, they're the ones on the far right. Isn't helium one? Yep, helium, neon, argon, krypton, xenon, And sometimes radon. they're the ones that are in light bulbs. That's right. Because it's a non-reactive Correct. environment, right? Perfect. So they don't... They're happy. Yeah. They, what that means is if you t- look at the uh, onions layer of an yeah. atom, like I said, each layer has a number of electrons. Now, once an electron layer is filled... Yeah. Then it goes, it jumps to the next layer. Next layer and yeah. that one needs to be filled yeah. and so forth. So all you need to worry about is the outer layer yeah, of electrons. That's right, yeah. Now, that if they want that to be filled up, now that may sometimes mean they need to lose an electron or yeah. they need to gain one. Yeah. How can they do this? Well, if they need to gain one, they need to find an atom a that friend. has one to give. Yeah. Right? And so a nice example of this is sodium, Na plus, means it is missing an electron, and chloride. Cl negative, which has an electron, what a perfect relationship. They can share that electron. So it's NaCl, which is salt. Which is salt. Mm. So strangely enough, two very separate, reactive, very reactive by themselves, can come together and form a totally different molecule. Okay? Um, If you want to know how or why this happens, it's simple. Two minutes up. No, no. If you look at the periodic table, right? If you find sodium on the periodic table, it's number 11, right? Now, on the periodic table, it's happy. It's proton matches its electron. That's on the periodic table. But we know that sodium is Na+. Hmm. So how did I know it was Na+, plus? I knew this because it is only one spot away from its closest noble gas, which is neon. Neon's number 10. Neon's 10, sodium's 11. It's very noble, neon. Which means it's one up. Sodium... Needs to go one down. Oh, don't worry about it. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I well, just realized that this would have taken another 10 minutes to explain. Yes. But, and and f- as, well, let's just go as clinicians, to, you don't necessarily need to know that. Let's go to one of the most abundant molecules on the planet, which yep. is water. Yeah. H2O. As Dr. Carl likes to say, it's shaped like a boomerang. It is. Uh, it's, it's oxygen is negative. Yeah. And it's hydrogen positive. So, two hydrogen comes on for its negative oxygen. So, does that mean oxygen has two... Uh, it's missing two electrons to to complete its outer shell. Uh, so, what you got to do? You look at the periodic table. It's two spots away from its closest noble gas. It, it's oxygen is eight. Neon, which is its closest noble gas, is ten. Mm. So it needs to jump up two, two. spots, and that's why it picks up two uh, protons. That's uh, right from uh, hydrogen, hydrogen, which gives it H two O. Right. That's right. And so it's different because it's a there's different bonds that you can form. You can form ionic bonds and covalent bonds and this is called yeah, let's a, not go down that This path. is just called a, a polar bond, okay? It's a polar bond because it's from the opposite end of the earth, like no, North it's, Pole. It's because what you find after this bond has occurred is that one side is going to be more negatively charged and that's the oxygen side right. and the other side is going to be more positively charged and that's the hydrogen side. And that's how water molecules stick together to give you Correct. That's why. That's why they love. That's why water is actually very sticky. Didn't know it was sticky. Capillary action. Yeah. Have you ever had blood or water draw up? Uh, let's a, not use a blood as an example. Let's just say well, it's ninety-nine percent water. Yeah, but let's just no, it's not. Uh, it it's is fifty-five percent water, isn't it? No, it's fifty-five percent plasma, which is so okay. Plasma is ninety-nine percent water. Thank you. 
Um, Whatever. Let's just say you fill your cup up or glass up with water. Yes. Okay. It kind of, before it spills over, it kind of bulges, right? The meniscus. Which is that capillary action of it holding together. Holds it together. And it's energy, so the temperature of the water will determine what state the water is in, right? Yep. So if you slow down the energy by putting it in the freezer, it will become a solid. Yep. If you speed it up by bringing it closer to 100 mm-hmm. degrees Celsius, uh, it's more likely to spread apart. And That's because it gas. jiggles them. Mm. Wiggles and jiggles. Okay. And so they move about and they tear themselves away from their bonds. Mm. And so that's why it then... You get evaporation. You get evaporation yeah. occurring. But I think, let's just put a clinical spin to this because that's a good point. You get the glass and you pour water into the glass and you get that sort of bulge at the top called the meniscus. It doesn't spill over the edge yet because of how sticky the water is, mm. right? Mm. Because of these polar bonds. This is what happens in your lungs... Your lungs are filled with water. You may not realize that, but they're covered in it. Maybe not filled, but they're covered in it. Okay? And water's sticky. And when you breathe out, this water likes to come together and would collapse your lungs because of how sticky it is. So we have something called surfactant. It's like a detergent. Like a detergent. It sits between the the water water molecules to stop them from sticking to one another so you can breathe in and breathe out. Newborn babies born prior to six months. So premies. Premies may not be able to produce their own surfactant. They take their first breath in, first breath out, lungs collapse, can't breathe again. They need to fix that up. Yeah. And then the opposite happens, well, I guess it's the same, but in the opposite direction, if people who have certain lung conditions where they have uh, fluid on their lungs, they have excess amounts of secretions and that would also cause them to collapse. Yeah. Because there's not enough surfactant relative to that amount of water. So, the th- going to molecules, you need to know that atoms, only certain atoms are going to be uh, want to connect with other certain atoms to become whole again. Yep. Right? To become happy and complete. So, that doesn't mean that every atom can connect with every other atom. So, there's only certain um, numbers of conformations that can occur. Some are going to com- occur more commonly than others. Yep. And this brings us to our next point, which is macromolecules. Okay. So, are we happy with that, Michael? So, we're still in the chemical level of the human. Yeah. Or, yeah, just go human. Um, we've <laughs> done the atom. We've moved to the molecule. Yeah. Molecules basically are just more than two coming atoms coming together to form a molecule. Two or more, yeah. Yeah, happy with that? Happy. Then you go to a macromolecule. Macro usually means large. Um, so, a macro is a large molecule. And so, in us as humans... We generally consider that there's four major macromolecules that make us up. Do you know what they are? Okay, so there are your proteins. Yeah. Okay, so that's one macromolecule. That's one. And what you could say, the molecules or the monomers, so the repeating units, um, there's repeating units of all these mm-hmm. four, right? Mm-hmm. So if you use proteins, the repeating units of a protein or, or the macromolecule is like amino acids. That's right. right? So can I just quickly say that we, we went from atoms connecting themselves to very basic molecules. Yep. These very basic molecules can, like you said, have two or more atoms connected to them. Now, if you have a look at an amino acid, mm. that's got around about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven or so as a, as a core, seven or so core atoms attached to them, right? H2. Let me just write this down. So it's usually got a C core. Yeah, right. C core. And H3, so that's four there. A hydrogen, and then a CO, maybe, and then a... I think the most basic... What's the most basic? Alanine or something? Of, of the amino acids? Yeah. Um, yeah, alanine. 
six, nine, ten. I think the most basic amino acid's got ten atoms in it. Uh, so glycine's pretty, pretty. Alanine and glycine are pretty basic. So very basic. Uh, anyway, anyway. So, so the point though is that these um, molecules are relatively basic. Like you said, there's only a, a couple of uh, atoms joined together. They can actually come together and bind with other amino acids. Yep. And they form the, macro- the, the macromolecule proteins. And proteins can be quite big, right? They can be made up of hundreds of thousands of atoms. Yep, yep. Uh, probably a better example of that is carbohydrates. So, you That's, could say yeah. the most simple uh, sugar yes, good or point. monosaccharide yes. is like, say, glucose, yes. which is C6H12O6. So, that's oxygen. six carbons, yeah. 12 hydrogens, yeah. and six oxygen molecules. Okay, so, so that's, that's all it is, and that's glucose. That's, that's sugar. A, so, everyone's heard of glucose. Yeah. Or you might have heard of fructose, or you might have heard of galactose. Yeah. These are kind of the simplest sugars that you can... They're still a carbohydrate, but they're the simplest, right? Now, you put... They're, they're, you could call them a monomer. You put them together, and then you get... Um, the more complex carbohydrate, which is the macromolecule. Yeah, so you basically click them together like Lego blocks, and that forms starch. If you click yeah, so a bunch out, of glucose together, look outside it's starch. your window if you buy a window, or if you're at the desk, have a look at on your desk, and you'll have starch all around you. What? Or cellulose, which plant is plant material, which is a carbohydrate. So do you know the difference between starch and cellulose? It's just the arrangement of the glucose molecules and the branching, I believe. So, if you look at so glucose joining together with a particular bond, mm. right? It can do it two different ways. It can do it one particular way where it bonds, where it sort of it goes back and forth between the, the angle in which it bonds with oxygen. Yeah, yeah. And it can do it in another way where it bonds again, right? And it's still glucose bonding, but in different ways. One forms starch, which is breads, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. and another one forms cellulose, which is like plant matter. Mm-hmm. Which Even is the though, mo- which is the most abundant, which macro- is most abundant macromolecule on the planet, right? Yes, but the thing is that even though it's all, it basically identical, mm. the only thing is that every couple of molecules, it, it the bond is bent a different way. Yeah, the branching. We can't digest cellulose, so we can't eat plant material. Or we don't have the enzyme to break it. Exactly. So the enzyme that breaks starch into glucose, we have, right? But we don't have the enzyme that breaks cellulose into glucose. Right. Cows do. But other they, mammals the cows do. Cows don't. They don't. No. Oh, the bacteria doesn't. Mm. Of course. That's why they've got a thousand stomachs. <laughs> Which takes me to comparative anatomy. No, I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> no, but like, uh, I think even, say, termites who, you know, will eat your house down, I think even those are just bacteria, right? Well, in their gut. Yeah, I'm pretty Ooh, sure. I'm pretty I don't sure. know. I could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Oh, they but, will. But I'm pretty sure it is bacteria. So, which is through fermentation. So, yeah. all the plant eaters will do a type of fermentation, which are the you know, you know the, usually the foregut or the rear gut fermenters. Anyway, I, I said no comparative anatomy. So that's carbohydrates. Then we move into the other macromolecule, which is fats. Yeah. So fats are just uh, monomers of fatty acids. Right. So yeah. So lipid, uh, so lipids li- is fats. Little lipid tails. Yep. So which you can be saturated or unsaturated. It's made up of fatty acids and glycerol. And glycerol is like the backbone for it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, which is kind of a sugar, right? Or it can be yeah digested no, or absorbed as a sugar. It comes from carbohydrates. And so you have got this 
backbone with three fatty acid tails, which gives you a, a type of fat. Yeah. Okay. And then the final out of the four type of macromolecule is nucleic acid, which yep. DNA or RNA. We've all heard that. Yep. I think, that'll do. I think that's perfect. So, so, so to reiterate, atoms turn into basic molecules. Basic molecules turn into macromolecules. There's four major macromolecules in the body. Proteins, carbohydrates, um, fats, fats, and nucleic and acids. Nucleic acids. Yeah. And that really forms... So if you were to study um, biochemistry, this would be a huge part of your study. Is those four. And particularly when if you do biochemistry from a metabolic point of view. So I did six months of um, metabolic biochemistry. It? It's nothing. And, uh, <laughs> and we, we had to actually. memorize all the amino acids um, and all the steps of the metabolic, breaking them down. I remember. Mm. I had to draw them out too. And surprisingly, I still retain a lot of that. So Do that, you? That was an area that I don't know why, but I just retained it well. Must have been a, my professor that was very... Did I teach her? Yeah, she was very good. All right. So then we so we've done the macromolecules. Mm, yeah. Before we transition out of the chemical level of mm. our hierarchy, we'll do one last subsection, which is your organelles. Yeah. So if you can think my analogy here is if you think the cell of your body, which are the is well, the cell is kind of the smallest functional unit of let's say an animal, or well, I guess a plant also. Um Biologically speaking, um, I th- you think of it like a small little city or town. The organelles in that city are the functional units. So you might think of an organelle like a street sweeper that cleans up the roads or uh, energy plant that makes electricity or what's another one? Like a... <laughs> Got library. Um, sorry? Library. Library, that's a good one. So that's where you get your knowledge. All, yep. all the knowledge is held and that's you know, the nucleus where the, all the DNA is. So the organelles is kind of all the small functional units of the cell. Would mm-hmm. you say that, Michael? Yeah. So organ or organum means instrument or tool. Okay. L, E-L-L-E means smaller. Okay. So it's a small instrument or tool because an organ is a large instrument or tool. So... Each organelle has a particular function within mm. the body. Now they're made up of again these macromolecules. So mm. they're actually so a single organelle. Now there's many of them. So one, as an example, is the mitochondria. Okay. Good. I got a better one for you. Okay. Cell membrane. Let's start there. So that lines the outside of the cell. So that's like the if you the think, perimeter of the city. Yeah. So let's like think a, of a medieval castle. That's going to be the pr- the the wall that surrounds the castle. But let me just stop you there. Of course you will. It's important to note that we don't have cell walls because we're not plants. No, it's so a membrane. Pla- yeah, so plants will have a cell wall. Did you wall. say cell wall? I think you did. No, um, no, I said city wall. Okay. Well, we just want to make sure that it's not a wall. It's actually a membrane. It's definitely not a wall. Okay. It is a cell membrane and it is made up of a double-layered membrane, which is predominantly of fats. Fats. So we said that. What is a fat again? A fat phospholipid. No. What do you mean? A fatty f- acids? A fat, a fat is a macromolecule. Remember? Yeah. That's one of the four. Made up of... So these fatty, fatty... This particular macromolecule not only has those fatty bits to it, but it also has a phosphate in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, a phosphate head. So it's a slightly more complicated macromolecule. But they're just repeating units of this, which causes two layers to form, which is your cell membrane. 
that wraps around your whole cell. Yes. So yeah. that's why it's called a phospholipid bilayer because mm. it's phosphate embedded in fat. And, and it's got two layers. It's got two layers. Mm. And all you need to know is that fat doesn't like water and there's a lot of water in your body. So the fatty part tends to embed itself in the middle and the uh, phosphate part loves touching water. It's so, on the outside. So it's on the outside. Yeah. Um, so this is an organelle. Its function is to limit what goes in and out of the cell. Yep. So uh, it can be protective for the cell. Protective for the cell and allow for certain nutrients like some amino acids can come in, some fats can come in uh, to yeah. continually build that cell up and allow it to survive properly. Which is, yeah, that's a good point. And so as we transition into the cellular level, so now we're about to leave the chemical level into the cellular level. I think we should maybe talk about a couple more organelles. I think we can do that in the cellular level. Yeah. But, but I'll give you... Uh, it's an important point here that it's really the um, quantity or the abundance of the organelles in the cell mm. which dictate the cell type and its function, right? Yeah. So if you look at, say, let's just use the cell membrane as an example. Mm. A cell that its whole function is around the cell membrane yeah. is like a neuron. That's right. So let neuron... A neuron, we spoke about this when we did the nervous system. A neuron, its whole function in kind of its life is to transmit an electrical signal down its membrane to another thing. Yeah. Okay? And so, this is happening on its cell membrane. So, it's phospholipid bilayer. It's all about putting a charge running down the length of the neuron. So, the cell is shaped not like this round glob. It's elongated into this big, long... How would you describe it? Tentacle-like yep. thing. And it sends a charge. Every time a signal goes down that neuron, down that cell, it sends an electrical charge down its membrane. So, so its whole purpose, type. its whole function, the cell, is around that organelle. Yeah. Does that make sense, do you think? Yeah. Another example would be if you look at muscle, you're going to find that if you have a look at the muscle, that cell is going to be shaped differently. And so, a muscle cell. A muscle cell. So, it's like and a myocyte. And an organelle that is very abundant in muscle cell is mitochondria because that produces energy. Yeah. And we know that we need energy for muscles to contract. Lots and lots of energy or ATP for muscle contraction. And ATP comes from mitochondria. Therefore, you find huge amounts of mitochondria in muscle cells. So, you know, depending on what the cell type is. So, if you go into the liver, right? The cells there are called hepatocytes. Yep. Hepato meaning liver, site meaning cell. And if you look inside, you've got a huge amount of, do you know what organelles you can find in there? The detoxifying plant of the city. The, yes. So like the, what's a detoxifying plant so you've got, of the city? Like the sewage works. The sewage works, you've got uh, huge, and because of what they, what the liver does when it comes to metabolizing protein, uh, carbohydrates and, and fats and so forth, a lot of endoplasmic reticulum. That's a big word. Endosmooth endoplasmic reticulum. Okay. Present yep. within the uh, So they're the the like liver. detoxifying. They can store fats. They can, they they can, can store fats. They can detoxify substances. Like alcohol. Yeah. So there's huge amounts of smooth endoplasmic reticulum. Yeah. So, uh, and this is what a, like a, a histologist yeah. and uh, a pathologist would look at is look down the microscope at your cells and they can know what a cell is by its organelles basically. Mm. And its structure. Yeah. So that's a cell. Now, no, that's organelles. That's an now organelle. We're to a cell. <laughs> so now we move into the cellular level. Yes. So 
That took 45 minutes to do the first hierarchical structure yeah, of we'll us as a human, which minutes. is the chemical level. Yeah. So now we move into the next structure or the next level up, which is the cellular level. The cellular level obviously consists of cells, which are the smallest living structures or the basic units That's of right. a biological system. That's right. Is that fair? That's fair. All right. Now, in us as... Quick question. Yeah. Pop, pop quiz. Pop quiz. What's the biggest cell in the human body and what's the smallest cell in the human body? Does it, de- t- does it, does it determine y- your sex? Correct. So, if you're a female, you're going to have a bigger cell than a male would. Correct. So, that should give you a big hint. So, what is it? Um, neurons. No. Um, <laughs> or w- women do have more neurons than men, that's for sure. No, no, I said that. They're just Maybe when they're pregnant. Mate, well, maybe that's true. Um, the oocytes, the eggs, yeah. the eggs—they're the biggest one. They're yep. so big, I believe, that you can actually see them in the naked eye. Full stop. Size of full stop. Well, so it's the size of a uh, electron. If you were the size of a planet, <laughs> that's right. What's the smallest cell in the human body? I don't want to say sperm. Why not? Because I don't think it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Huh. It's minuscule, man. Very small. Okay. If you have a look at sperm fertilizing an egg... Is that like a metaphor? It... No, it's... I'm being literal. It's huge, vastly different in size. It It is like a spaceship landing on a planet. That's... Mm. It's amazing how small the uh, the sperm is compared to the n- massive oocyte. Okay. Thank you for that. I just thought that but was interesting, that the biggest cell and the smallest cell are actually the the... O- which separates, from the women which separates the, the sex of a person. Potentially. All right. So, we are at a cell level. Um, cells, how many cells do we have in a body? Oh, I think it's about 100 trillion. Okay. So, we've got 100 trillion of these cells. 100 trillion. Of Not 100 and trillion. 100 and trillion. No. There's one extra, trillion. one extra one. <laughs> well, one extra trillion. Mm. Of cells in us. Yes. Okay. If you're not counting microorganisms. Bacteria. That's not the only microorganism, Michael. Viruses. <laughs> and with you, so fungi. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been told I'm a fungi. <laughs> oh, well, they were wrong. All right. This is a good uh, point to raise. Raise don't, it. Don't you think? I don't know what A bit of a tangent. What's the point? Um, how our cells are different to other microorganisms. Go on. That will may colonize us. Yeah. And colonize us. Colonize. Um, that works both ways because cause, they are in the colon. Not always cause disease. They're not always pathogenic, are they? Yeah, they require us. Yeah. Uh, we, we require and them for survival. Aren't we correct by saying that you actually have more other cells in us or on us than our own cells? Well, study came out a year and a half ago that states it's about one to one. Really? Yeah. Well, I thought there was more in your... More bacteria the, in your gut than your cells in your body. First, they said 10 to 1. They said for every one of our cells, it was 10 bacteria. Then they went 3 to 1, and now it's on par. Oh. For, so, there's a hundred, tr- uh, approximately 100 trillion bacterial cells in and on our body, and 100 trillion of what you could potentially call our own cells. But I find that interesting, because are we there for the survival of the bacteria, or are the bacteria there for our survival? Are we Both. just vessels for bacteria? We could be... Um, what's the what's the term? Symbiotic. You, symbiotic. Yeah, I think it is. Mm. 
what I find interesting as well is if you look at, you know, we spoke about some of the atoms that we require for survival and, you know, the six major atoms and then some of the other trace atoms. There's going to be some that only bacteria need and we don't need, right? So, but we need that bacteria for our survival. So does that make that trace element a requirement for our survival? Even though we're not directly metabolizing it or use, utilize, I should say, utilizing it. Yeah. That's an interesting point. It is. There's potentially between 100 to 1,000 different types of bacteria in our body. And the majority are in our gut. Majority in our gut. Which is becoming a huge part of medicine now. And in part is actually determined by our genotype. Our DNA determines what type of bacteria we can have in our gut. Or is it vice versa? Nope. Or isn't it the bacteria... Bacteria is not going to determine our DNA. No, but the way it's expressed. That too. Mm. Yeah, they they both... Uh, Fascinating. ...interact with each other. Let's just quickly have a look at how these microorganisms are slightly different to us in cellular terms. Go for so it, So we buddy. have a bacteria... Yeah. ...which is single-celled, unlike us who are multi-celled. Yep. Okay. They do have a wall. That's right. Some will have a wall and a membrane. Okay. But we only have membranes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the bacteria usually has fairly simple organelles in it, in com- in comparison to our cells. Yeah. Uh, and they will also have probably simpler nucleic acids, or they don't generally have usually a nucleus. They don't have a double-stranded DNA. They got a single-stranded DNA. Um, that's and they don't have. A, it's not held in a nucleus. No, it's circular. Which is why actually. It's double-stranded, but it's circular. Is it the plasmid? Plasmid. So, a way of classifying biological life is eukaryote versus prokaryote. Correct. So, eukaryote meaning you have a nucleus. Means true nut. And, thanks. Um, <laughs> and prokaryote are. is before the nut, I guess. Before nut. That's <laughs> true. That's what it is. So, bacteria don't have a true nucleus, whereas um, animal cells do. That's right. Like us, we will have it. So that's important to know because bacteria, which are these single cellular things with a cell membrane and a cell wall, mm. um, they can survive quite nicely out in the environment. Mm. Okay. Um, but when they come onto us, they might utilize our environment mm-hmm. and make make disease. Mm-hmm. And so for make a disease. And so for microbiologists yeah. who, who want to come up with, let's say, cures for um, bacteria Treatments. infections or treatments, um, you need to kind of look at the structure of these bacteria cells and see how they're different to our own cells, and that's how you kind of make them. So, a couple of ways, a couple a couple yeah. of differences, right? So, one you stated about the true nut. So, uh, eukaryotic, or let's just say human cells, have a nucleus which houses DNA. Yeah. So, that's, a, that's basically a protective envelope that houses the DNA. Mm. That, mm. That's one difference prokaryotes, which is bacteria, don't have that. Second thing is the the DNA itself. Our DNA is double-stranded like a twirled-up ladder. Bacteria have a circular DNA that you call the plasmid, which is free-floating, just floats around the cell. Mm. So it's another difference. Uh, Third difference is that bacteria have cell walls and we have cell membranes. That means they're made up of different things. A cell wall is stuck together by something called glycoproteins, right? And they... they, click the wall together. We don't have those yeah. embedded in our cell wall. Um, another difference is that the way that uh, bacterial cells make proteins 
from amino acids, which are via the organelles ribosomes, mm. right? They use different ribosomes than we have, yeah. right? So we make ba- proteins using certain type of ribosomes. Bacteria use different types. So like you said, if you have a bacterial infection and you want to kill them, you want to kill them and not us. So you want to do something yeah. that really sort of... Targets them. Yeah. To not cause damage to us. So basically, the antibiotics that we have tend to target these things that I just stated. Which is important to know. This is why we're saying that because it's an important concept that we understand the antibiotics that are used yeah. and how they target the bacteria. So a good example, right. which is the first antibiotic that was discovered was um, penicillin, mm-hmm. which is actually something that's secreted from another microorganism, which yeah. is fungus. That's right. And or this mold. particular yeah, this particular chemical interferes with the construction of that cell wall. That's right. And if you can knock off the cell wall of the bacteria, it's very vulnerable to being killed by just the movement of water, really, right? Yeah, well, the, the inside of a bacteria is... Uh, Hypertonic. Yeah, it, it's very concentrated. Is, is if you knock the wall off, then it will... Suck a lot of water in, and, it will and they pop. Pop, yeah. Yeah, and so that, like you said, that's what penicillin does. Except bacteria are pretty smart, and they can create enzymes that can chop up penicillin. Yeah. And so that's what, in part, antibiotic resistance is, is when bacteria, because... They can resistance is when they start to resist the drug that's there trying to kill it. In this case, penicillin. And people always think, why does it happen? Why can ba- how can bacteria do this so quickly? Well, because they divide on average every twenty minutes, so they make a new copy, which means that there's a poten- clone themselves. They clone themselves, which means there's a potential that mutations can be embedded yeah. every twenty minutes that the- changes the way the proteins are made within their cell. And they're smart in the sense that they can actually transmit information amongst each other, which can be incorporated into their plasmid mm. um, to then become desensitized. You can have horizontal or vertical transfer of DNA, mm. so from one bacteria to another of the same group, or even from a different type of bacteria to another, even a different type of organism, you can transfer DNA into a bacteria. Yeah. Isn't Amazing. that insane? Amazing. I mean, we do that in the labs all the time. I will take a plasmid, which is a bacterial DNA, which is circular. Mm. I'll get molecular scissors, which chop the DNA, open it up, and I'll embed my whatever gene I want into that So, that's a, a segment of DNA into it. That's right. And yeah. that way, so I can embed a gene that's only expressed in humans, for example, into a bacterial DNA, which means that it will then start expressing a human protein. And because it does it every 20 minutes, I can make millions of copies Amazing. within 24 hours. Very cool, Michael. Very cool. So, Thanks, that's bacteria. Man. I think we should probably leave bacteria. A few other examples of microorganisms that are kind of like cells, but probably not entirely. Mm. Viruses. We've heard of viruses. Very they're, small. They're not so much living things. So they're not Oh, like a, really, Matthew? They're not so much like a bacteria that can kind of um, continue on Why don't you reckon it's living? Well, they need... Well, they... What's the definition of life, I guess? That's, a, that's the point. But let's forget that because we haven't got time. But they can't really... Well, Matthew. They can't really replicate without a host. Yep. That's true. So they need to be... And they're generally called intracellular organisms, mm-hmm. whereas bacteria are extracellular, so they can function outside the cell. Yep. Even though some bacteria will infect, they'll actually go into your cell. Yes. Most of them will just kind of live off your cells. But viruses... They have to kind of land on your cell and then inject their 
genetic material into your cell mm. and then trick your cell into remaking more viruses. Yeah, if you look at our cells, each one of our cells has a DNA, except red blood cells, and each cell has about twenty to 30,000 genes in that, that can be made in that DNA. A virus has like a dozen genes. That's it. That's all it has. So it only makes a, a, a small amount of proteins. And so that's all it does. Like you said, jumps into the cell, embeds its own DNA, uses our machinery to make its own proteins, and then jumps out again, and then we'll cough it out, spit it out, fart it out, burp it out, whatever it may be, and that's, we'll spread that virus again. Yeah, so it's kind of like a spaceship will land on your cell, inject its genetic material into your cell, which will go into your nucleus. That's exactly what I said. I just like this <laughs> analogy. Um, and then your machinery will just make, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of millions, viruses millions. just in that one cell, yep. and they'll just keep escaping and then go and move it on to the next until hopefully your immune system comes along and picks it up and go, there's a problem here. We need to kill this virus off. Or the cells itself that are diseased Don't. or infected can kill themselves or your yep. immune system can kill them. All right, let's move Ready? on. Different. Let's not worry about fungi and all that type of stuff. It's going to take too long. All right. Let's move on to how cells can form tissues. So the final point I just want to make with the cellular level though is what determines their function is their form. So yep. how they are structured would purely dictate how they their function. So their form equals function. Or at so least that's for tissues. No, not entirely. So if you look at go back to your sperm analogy. Yeah. Okay, your sperm, it's got a it's like a tadpole oh, shape. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry, go on, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a tadpole shaped cell. Mm-hmm. Okay. So everyone knows what a tadpole looks like. It's got this big round body and a tail. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is one like cell. You. This is a sperm cell coming from the testes of a male. Yes. Okay. Now, in that round part, at the top end of it, is where the nuclear material is. Okay. All the DNA that's coming from the genome of the male. Okay. It's protected by a crash helmet. Okay. Which has got a whole lot of enzymes in there. Okay. And then moving down the body of it towards the tail is just kind of like the neck area is just filled with mitochondria, just packed with Mm -hmm. mitochondria. And then you go into the tail, and it's just got these kind of tubular proteins, which cause it to swivel like a a circular tail. Like a swivel. (laughs) And so that that form will dictate its function. So its its whole function is to move towards, probably mostly chemically, towards that big oocyte, which has come from the femur. Yep. As it's moving towards it, so all that mitochondria is making an ATP, which is swiveling the tail, which is basically just keeping it out of um, getting caught in crevices and so forth, whilst the female is using propulsion of muscles to push the sperm towards the egg. And when the egg and sperm get close, that crash helmet, which is in the front of its head... Are we doing a reproductive system? Uh, I'm just giving you a form function here. Um, it's Involves now. What's the word where it turns inside out? Invaginates. Could use that, uh, and it kind of eats its way through the egg shell until it gets to the right on the membrane of the, of the egg and just injects its DNA, and then that's the start of fertilization. Okay. So that gives you a ex- good example of form function. Yeah. Another one we already used was muscles. 
So you have these long cylindrical cells that have these ropes, which are proteins, and they just kind of pull on each other to shorten the muscle cell. That's right. Okay, with a lot of whole lot of uh, mitochondria in it, which so, is for the ATP. So if you have a cell type that has a similar form and they come together to create a similar function, does that then make a tissue? Yeah, so now you move into it. So generally, uh, a cluster of the same cells, like you said, with the same form, they would then give you, um, they perform the same function, which will give you a tissue. So if we have a whole bunch of cells that have these big long proteins inside that can contract and relax, contract and relax, and they all come together, then those cumulative cells create a muscle. Yeah. As an example. Yep. If you have a whole bunch of cells which tend to glue themselves together, yep. then what we'll have then is connective tissue. Yep. So, so yeah. Now, these four tissue types are epithelial. Yeah, connective, connective tissue. Connective muscle, tissue. Muscle, nervous. And nervous. So, I said, what so was these it again? are a cluster of similar cells with the same form thus performing a similar function than the form function. Yeah. Put these cluster of cells together and that's going to give you one of the four tissue types in our body. So what were they again? The four so tissue types are... We have epithelial. Yes, yeah, so that's skin and coverings. Um, we'll get to that. Epithelial, I think just... Skins and coverings. Epi upon... Well, I'm not going to actually... It means upon... Upon what? Uh, teat. Oh, Matthew. Yeah. Anyway, so epithelium, yes, is a covering of a surface or a lining of a cavity. Okay, so all the cells that essentially... When you look at me, you're looking at epithelium. Yeah, I was looking in your eyes. That's epithelium. Cornea, I guess so. Um, connective tissue puts everything together. Yeah. Okay, muscles moves things yep. and nerves communicates. I like it. Okay, so essentially your whole body is made up of four, four of these tissue types. Even glands? Yeah, it's epithelium. What about tongue? It's a lining. What about testes? Uh, so test it. What part of the testes? Because it's going to have a whole section different. This is more, that more moves more into an organ now. Yeah, good idea. It's still it's that kind of a we lining. Start to move into organs. <laughs> All right. Is there any other questions you have here? No. So, basically, you've highlighted that form equals function for cells. So, the way they look and what they're composed of tells you what they do. And if you have a collection of cells that do the same thing, that's called a tissue. And there's four tissue types. Tissue that moves, tissue that communicates, tissue that holds together, and tissue that covers. Brilliant. Now, I know. I'm just going to put a little bit of embryology in here, then we'll move oh. on. Don't put embryology in an oh, yeah. hour into a boring podcast. <laughs> no, no, the listeners will love this. So you've already alluded to, as a human, we come, we, our beginning is not from the Big Bang. Yes, <laughs> I, I didn't want to get that far. <laughs> uh, it's from the sperm and the egg. Yes, that's okay, right. Fused together, so you got essentially. You alluded to that actually in your verbose transplantation um, of the of the uh, tadpole. Um, Two cells come together. So, two cells, one from the male, one from the female, yeah, come together, merge, and give you one cell. Well, actually, what? Yeah, one cell. Wait a minute. Two cells come together Egg, to give you one. Sperm. Yeah, I got that part. So, they have half of your DNA, or half of the DNA of a human, yeah. 
merges one, so the tadpole in- injects its DNA into the egg. And that's and, got half and DNA. And they fuse together, so the 22 plus 22 gives you the... 22 what? What are you uh, talking about? Bananas? Footballs? DNA. 22 DNA. A t- Matthew, 22, come on, articulate. Uh, 22 chromosomes. Okay. Yeah? Yes. And then you double it, which now gives you the 44 plus the sex chromosomes, the X and the Y, and now you get a 46 complement of a human cell DNA, right? So, I think first, just let's just keep that point, because you're right. Every human being has 22 pairs of chromosomes plus a pair of sex chromosomes. Right? Male, Singles. XY. Singles. Female, XX. Yep. Singles. As in like you don't have a double complement. So no, 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 no. What I'm saying yeah. is as a human, all the cells in your body have yep. 22 pairs of chromosomes yep. plus a 23rd pair, which is your sex chromosomes, yep. right? But the cells that if you're male make up your sperm which is a don't, make, don't have pairs. They've just got yeah. individuals. So they've only got one chromosome one, one chromosome two, all the way up to 23. Yep. So there's only 23 chromosomes. So singles, yeah. Singles. And same for the egg, mm-hmm. which is why when they come together, they pair up. Well, firstly, they start to do crossover. They start so, to that's, so that's my, meiosis. Mix and match genetic yeah. material and yeah. then fuse together, to yep. join together to form the pairs. Yep. So now we've got one cell that's got 23 pairs of chromosomes, yep. which is a nice... 50-odd, 50% mixture of mum and dad. Yep. Okay. And so the mum's always going to only give the X and the sperm really determines the sex of the future embryo. Yes, because it's going to have an X or or a Y. Y. Mm -hmm. And if it gives it an X, it's going to be female. If it gives it a Y, it's going to be male. Yep. So now you've got those two single cells that have now merged as one to now give you a full... To become one. To give you a... um, (laughs) No. That was good, wasn't no. it? <laughs> You're impressed. I think you froze because you're just like, my God, I've got a, I've got a little genius one? here. Because um, you've got 300 million sperm that goes in and only 300... Only one remains. 300 make it to the end. So yeah. it's like, you are one, one in a million. million. I yeah, like so that. One in a million. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the egg becomes fertilized now and this fertilization is called the zygote, which technically with inverted commas, is... Not a goat. <laughs> is, is You're putting me off a lot today. Is, this is boring. one cellular <laughs> embryo. It's, so it's a human being made up of one cell. Yeah, isn't that cool? I think it's cool, Michael. No, no, no it's very like, cool. You banged okay, on for what? five minutes, no, 20 minutes on the at, at, atoms of the universe. Yeah, because we, we this, are star stuff, baby. This is you as a human here. Is a single from cell. From one cell. So how long does it take then for that one cell to become 100 trillion? When uh, do we well, first become 100 trillion cells? Are not, we still in the, not, the not womb? Not counting bacteria? <laughs> not counting bacteria. Well, no, out uh, of the womb. I, I, you're going to still continue to, continue to grow. So until. my newborn baby won't have 100 trillion cells? I don't know. I think she I, will. No, nah, I don't know. I think she will. I wouldn't say. I think an adult would have more. Well, definitely more bacteria. No, it would have more cells. Because a baby comes out basically sterile, right? Sterile in the sense that... No, I think that's been disproven. I think that there is some... No, it wouldn't. Definitely wouldn't. Well, it depends on the... We're getting off topic. No, I want to know. If it's a vaginal birth, there's going to be more bacteria than uh, no, C-section. But, but my point is that... I don't think it's... Excluding, excluding the bacteria that is passed on from mother to child through vaginal delivery. No, I think Does a bacteria is. in the... Does the baby yeah, in the womb have its own gut flora? 
I think that there's new evidence to suggest there is some microorganisms. I thought no, because it's poo doesn't stink. I don't think that's relevant. No, it is relevant. Because the only reason why our a crap stinks is because of the way bacteria, what bacteria does to it. But stinking is... The methane's made from the bacteria, not from our body. perceptual. What do you mean, perceptual? Like, oh, smelling is something that we've Everyone learned. thinks crap stinks. Yeah, but we've learned that. So, oh, no, that's yes, not situational. No you can't grow up in an environment where all of a sudden you're going to go, oh, I like the bouquet of your fart. It's not, no, no not going to happen. But we've learned that because it's essentially detrimental to us to eat it yeah but that's uh, right. but in essence it's not a bad smell oh so, in so essence there's no good or bad <laughs> people but what i mean, mean is like for some animals that eat poo they probably think it's the best thing in since sliced bread since sliced poo <laughs> <laughs> and so a baby who hasn't learned behaviorally that poo is a bad thing wouldn't see it as a smelly object hence babies will probably no some infants will smear poo all over them and eat their own poo don't you agree? Yes, 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 yes. Cool, cool, anyway, cool, 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 where this cool, one cool, cellular, cool. one cellular embryo. What are we talking? What's the topic of today? This is t- <laughs> it's just tissue. We're at tissue point. Yeah. So as we move yeah, the up the floppy tube, yeah. All we're doing is splitting that one cell into smaller and smaller cells, but yeah. we're replicating the cells. So okay? one to two, two to four, four to eight, yeah, eight to six. And as we as this cluster of cells now move into the uterus of the mother. It's probably a blastocyst, which is, you know, this... Was that 16 to 32 cells? A morilla is about 16. Okay. But that's subjective in itself. But essentially, probably by the time you come into... This is about one week. By the time you come into the uterus, you've gone into your first stage of differentiation, which means cells are now splitting form function. So I said, so instead of having... So you're saying that up until this point, all those cells did were copy themselves. Yes. That's so right. they're the same cell type. Yeah, that's right. What is that type? What's what's it called? What is that cell? Is it a it's a stem cell, right? Yeah, like a pluripotent stem cell. Pluripotent stem cell, which means it can become Be- any cell at once. Yep. And you're saying now at about one week when it's when you are implanted, when you as a group of cells now you're implanted into the womb, you now start to differentiate the cell type that's there. Yeah. So the first differentiation really is cells that will become the placenta. Yeah. Which is generally the trophoblasts. Yes. And the ones that will become the embryo, which is the embryo. Embryoblast. Yeah. Blast means to produce, uh, to create. Plastic, like active, I think. But yeah, anyway. So then we move into about the second week, so day seven to day 14. Yeah. And what we're doing with those embryo blasts, we're just focused on the embryo now, they kind of move into a two laid sheet. That's why they're called lamina cells. Um, so you have one on top of the other. Yeah. Michael almost fell off the chair. Yeah, whoops. Because um, he's so excited. Right. Um, which is the epiblast and the hyperblast. Okay, and yeah. then you go to week three. Everyone's still getting this. <laughs> like you can talk, Mr. Universe. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I've always wanted to be Mr. Universe. Walking on his footsteps. We go into the trilamina, which is essentially the three layers of cells that make all the cells that you'll ever make in your body. And this is your ectoderm, mesoderm, endoderm. So those three All layers, still stem cells. All still stem cells. Pluripotent so, now, or are they now multipotent, or are I don't they? Know what you call them, but they they <laughs> can make a like obviously an ectodermal cell. Yeah. Okay. Can't go backwards 
and make endodermal cells. Called de-differentiation. Yeah. I mean, they probably could. So what could. cell... Okay, so what... Okay, let's go through them. The ectoderm, Which is these the, cells make what, ultimately? As, a, as an adult, what do they turn into? Well, let me just put it into a context for you and you can probably guess. thought so that was the that, context. That's the top layer of the embryo. Okay, so, so what, skin. Yeah, brilliant. So they're going to make all the outer covering of your body. So oh, they're what's the make next layer? Epidermis, nails, hair... Mam- mammary glands. Remember I said that comes from the skin? Yeah. Back in the day? Epithelium. <laughs> but also, because on the outer surface of the embryo at that point in time, we have the neural crest and the um, tube, neural tube. So actually the ectoderm is also going to make your central nervous system. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so ectoderm makes skin and central nervous system. What's the so next So all the layer? cells. So all your neurons, neurons all the glia, glia, all that stuff yep. is coming from ectoderm. Yeah. Okay. Go to the other end, which is not on the top, bottom but on the bottom is the endoderm. Endoderm. Easy way to remember that. That just makes all your gut from your mouth to your anus. So all the cells that will make your essentially your gastrointestinal tract is going to be that. Okay. And then everything between those two. Yeah. Is your mesoderm. And that's everything else. <laughs> yeah, that's muscle, ligaments, bones. Yeah. All that stuff. Cool. And that's now. So that was my long transition into mm, wasn't the short. tissue. Yes. Okay. Wasn't twenty minutes on startup. Oh, this will be our but worst. It was very this interesting. This will be our uh, least listened <laughs> to podcast. So tissues, tissues, epithelium. Yes. Most cases, the epithelium will be either uh, ectoderm or endoderm. Yeah. Who okay. cares about that now? Connect tissue muscles are going to be from the mesoderm, and the nervous system is going to come back from the ectoderm. You got that, everyone? Okay. Are you happy with the tissues? Oh, I think, well, yeah. So that's the tissue level. All right. Okay, now we move into the organ level. So, Matthew, what happens then if uh, a tissue type such as a muscle tissue then comes into contact with connective tissue and is then lined with epithelial tissue and forms a structure that in itself plays a particular function or numerous functions? What is that structure called? That's organ. Nice. Not the piano. No, because it's an organ. <laughs> <laughs> so, when you put more than one tissue together, you get an organ. I just want to go over again. And so, a good example of that is your stomach. Okay, so... Do you want to use stomach as an example? We could use any organ. Pick an organ. Any organ. Stomach. Go. Okay, so let's have a look at the stomach. Stomach is going to be covered inside and out by epithelium. What's That's a stomach, easy. first of all? Stomach is a... S- a storage site and a start site of digestion, chemical and mechanical digestion, where food will go down our esophagus in the form of something called a bolus, which is all chewed and mixed up with saliva. In the stomach, there's certain cells that release enzymes and there's acids. It moves oh, around, that's, that's fine. That's breaks enough. things down, and then sends it off to the first part of the small intestine. It's called the duodenum. So, in saying that, if you know the So, is the stomach yeah. technically the out, outside world? That's right. Yeah. So remember I said about the endoderm? It's a big oh, tube. Oh, that was just your way to talk about mouth endoderm to anus. Yeah. Mouth to anus. Mouth to anus. Tube. One Someone's, long tube. Someone said that you reminded them of an endoderm, actually. They simply thought that you were just mouth... Didn't you start a lecture once by saying... Oh, yeah. We're going to do not mouth to mouth, but mouth to anus? No, that's not how... <laughs> I accidentally started a lecture by saying today... Oh, God, it was embarrassing. I said, today we're going to be... Um, we're going to go through mouth to anus. And everyone <laughs> looked at me and I went, I mean, we're going to go through the digestive system, starting at the mouth, going to the anus. All right. And I was very embarrassed. Justifiably. And I got fired. Now, <laughs> now from 
as I said, the tube from your mouth to your anus is all from the endoderm. Okay? I know. And, it, and it's the outside world. Yes. Okay. So, if you open your mouth, Michael's now opening his mouth. Yes. I'm not opening the no, other Just one. open your mouth, Michael. Uh, so, his mouth is now open. I could chuck it in a peanut and technically... That's going to remain on the outside world all the way until it pops back out of his from, anus. From cheek to cheek. <laughs> yeah, cheek to cheek. <laughs> now, so that, because that's the outside world, yeah. it's a lining. Yes. So, what kind of tissue will line that whole epithelium, tube? Yeah, bro. Epithelium, bro. So. Okay. But, so that that's why stomach on both sides is lined by epithelium. Because on the outside, it's a cavity. It's in yes, a cavity. So, that's it has right. to be, yeah. And then on the inside, which is technically the outside, like you said, that's yeah. also epithelium. Then underneath that is going to be connected tissue which is going to hold that epithelium to muscular tissue underneath. Why do you want muscles? We want muscles because the stomach mechanically digests food or the tube. by contracting. Yeah. All that, I've thrown the peanut into his mouth like the clowns at the circus. Um, you throw peanuts into clowns' mouths at the no, circus? No you. clown does that. No, what the clowns ones that, allow you to do that? The ones that? that move side to side with the, yeah, that's the a ping ball. pong balls. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying, I'm throwing this peanut into your mouth like the clowns at the circus. Now, it's gone in your mouth, but it's kind of going to stop at the back of your throat. And to get into your stomach, it has to be forced down. Mm. And the only way it can do that is through muscular contractions. Yes. And that's where the muscles come in yes. as a type of tissue. Mm-hmm. But they can only be told to move by... The Nervous th- innovation. And so, that's where all the four come together mm-hmm. to give you the organ in the stomach. So, so, you can take the stomach, you can section it, and you can look at the layers and you'll see the four tissue types. Epithelium connective, muscular, and nervous. It's a great example of all four tissue types coming together to form a single organ. Yeah, which has the function of, in the stomach's case... Digestion. Usually digestion. There's a bit of absorption there, but really it's all... Now, not every single organ has every single tissue type, but most will. Okay. Now, once the stomach, as an organ connects superiorly and inferiorly to other organs such as the esophagus. You probably don't do that in its terminology. You you use Uh, uh, distal and proximal. Distal and proximal. What if I was standing upright? That's all right. If you stand on your head, then you can't say superficial. Sorry, superior and inferior. That's why you say proximal, distal. All right. Thanks for correcting me uh, in the public light there, Matthew. Proximal, closer to origin, distal, further away. So it doesn't really matter how Uh, you stand. So... (laughs) So... If we take the stomach as an organ and look at an, another organ that's proximal to it and another organ that's distal to it, so the proximal organ would be... Esophagus? And the distal organ would be... The immediate one? Yes. Okay, small intestine, duodenum. Yeah. So, together, they all work together, right? Because the bolus or food needs to be transported from the esophagus to the stomach and then from the stomach to the small intestines. Yeah. So, these organs work together. Mm. And actually, in actual fact, they all work together with other organs, such as the mouth and the tongue and then the colon and so forth, to form an organ system, which has a big generalized function. Right. And this organ system is the digestive system, as a, as in this particular scenario. What, so that this what? is how organs come together to form organ systems. Excellent, perfect. But, Couldn't have said it better myself. And no, I know that's why I said it. And then <laughs> all the organ systems of the body will come together. Now, how many organ systems do we have? Are we finished with the organ systems? No, we're just starting them. <laughs> so we've, how many organ systems? We've transitioned from organ level, yeah, to now organ system. Level. Yeah, we're done with organs. Okay, we're so now we've got an organ system. So, we've moved from the stomach, which were the, the multiple tissues working together as a similar function to give you the organ being the stomach. Now, we're putting all the different organs in the digestive system together, which mm-hmm. gives you the digestive system. That's right. Yeah. So, you, the examples you gave were good. 
the esophagus, the Thanks. stomach, the small intestine, the large intestine, which is sometimes called colon, mm-hmm. not colon, not colon. <laughs> and then, but you have you do have some colon's colon accessories. What are the accessories of the digestive system? So salivary glands, not on the tract itself, no, it's but they help digestion. Sits, yeah. So the liver, the pancreas, the salivary glands—they're all accessory organs. Gallbladder. Now, that's one organ system in the human body. How many do we have? Eleven. Yeah, 11, if you count mesentery, 12. There's a new one. Yeah, they added that like last year or the year before. So, let's see if we can name them off the top of our head. GIT. All the digest- GIT is tract. Okay. Digestive system. Okay, nervous system. Nervous system. Muscular system. Cardiovascular. Um, epith- no, uh, uh, integumentary system. Okay, which is skin. Yes. Um, respiratory. Okay. Uh, renal system. Damn. Reproductive. Oh, nice. Uh, skeletal system. Did you say that? Nope. I okay. said muscular. Endocrine. Nice. That's 10. Um, we say nervous? Yeah. Um, oh. Lymphatic? Lymphatic system. And then hematological. Yeah. That's 12. I guess. Sometimes we put it into cardiovascular. And then mesentery, which you could count. Yeah, well done. It's top of our head. Look at that. Aren't we good? We should probably know that since it's like week we one of it. AMP. <laughs> all right. So, that's the organ systems. That's We all put them together. And then chuck all those 12 together. Chuckle. Chuck them. Put them all together. Add them all together. Yeah. Include them all together. What do you get? Matty. Mikey. You get an organism. Yeah, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast. <laughs> the end. Wow. That was, that was a good one. Was it? We'll see what oh, the I listeners say. It. I actually enjoy. I really enjoyed the first twenty minutes. Mm. I think everyone, as long as they listen to the first twenty minutes, that's all I care about. Because the rest was just you blabbering on about math to anus. Well, people, that's the end of the hierarchical structure of the human body. Mm-hmm. That's really one of the main introductory topics of the anatomy physiology study. Yeah. In in medicine. Yeah. And so, it's good to understand the foundations of that, which will put into context everything else. And, if so, and, and, and I guess the reason why we spoke about this now is because we're about to start the semester off. So we thought yes, semester one's about to begin. Not only for our students, we thought, oh, we, we might as well do a podcast on it, but, you know, start of the year as well. Mm. So, why not begin talk fresh. about the start of a universe? Let's, I like that. <laughs> if you want to contact us... Feel free to email us, gubiosciences at gmail.com. If you want to contact us on, on Twitter, gubiosciences, or you can contact us individually on Twitter, uh, Dr. Mike Todorovic, which is at Mikey Todd, or you can Dr. Bartox with an X in not, the end. Not Botox, Bartox. Dr. Bartox, who does require Botox. <laughs> um, you can contact us on Instagram, which is Dr. Matt, Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast, or at GU Biosciences. And you can go on our Facebook page where we Are put you up on Instagram? Some... Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. We. Are we? Yeah, GU Biosciences is on Instagram. And you got Twitter. We've got all of it. Facebook. Yeah, well, we all know who looks after the social media accounts. Uh, <laughs> and you can go onto our Facebook page, which is, again, Dr. Matt, Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast. We've got a good number of followers on the Facebook not dim- necessarily on the others. That will diminish today. But uh, oh, after yeah, <laughs> listening to you, anyway. We might get a whole lot of physicists on board. Yeah, they'll love it. Actually, they'll probably correct me because I'm a moron. We love you all. See you later. See you guys. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.